Sunglasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're giving advice on how to get more from audiobooks. Plus, we're debating whether it's okay to sell the books you bought at a library sale, and we're recommending books to read before you fall asleep. Something I like to do every night. Not recommending <laughs> reading before I fall asleep. And recommending books, but not before I go to sleep. That would be Bria's weird. Bria's like in her bed with like a little nightcap on, just like <laughs> recommending books to people out the street. Everyone out come the in, gather around. You there, boy. You want a book recommendation? <laughs> All right, but first, Bria, what are you reading? I am reading a book you've already read. Um, I told you I was reading it. It's Chlorine by Jade Song. This uh, is this book is a trip. Well, wow. I um, actually have finished it. I finished it. Um, it um, wow, what a shocking book. Um, it it I would is say, a wild, wild read. Okay, it, it, I would say it's a coming of age mermaid uh, body horror book. Yes. Okay. That that would be my my description. It's about a woman, a, a young a young woman, a teenager who is um uh, a swimmer, and like basically she was like told her mom she's like I'm gonna join the swim team, and she had like hardly ever swam anything before, and she was like, but this is important to me, and she was like showed up and was like. I'm going to do this and was like good. And like she, she was like a natural in the water. She, and she worked harder than everyone else. And she was like the best person on the team. But in the way that these things downward spiral, it, it's a little too much. Some bad things happened to her. Check the content uh, warnings. Yeah. Check the content uh, warnings um, for sure. But this is a wild book. It is like, it's that like dreamy sort of writing that is like, Part like literary fiction, part weird fiction. You know, I would say something like Samantha Schweblin, um, or like oh, that's um, a really good comp for like, this. Like, it's very dreamy. There's another way for me to put it, but um, I loved it. It may be one of my favorites of the year. I like swimming, but it wasn't just that. It was like it was just being in this girl's head as she's like going through this like thing that she's really addicted to doing and wants to be really good at, but it's very, it obviously every life gets the better of her and the pressure gets the better of her as things go on. Um, what are you reading? I am in honor of this podcast. Not really, but uh, this just so happened to be a good matchup in this book about, in this episode about audiobooks is that I'm listening to an incredible audiobook. I'm almost oh, done. I have like 45 minutes left. All I want to <laughs> do is go finish it. Uh, it's called The Art Thief by Michael Finkel, and it's read by Eduardo Ballerini. And oh my God, I read the, I picked up this book because I read Michael Finkel's last book, The Stranger in the Woods, and I really, really loved it. I talked about it on the show many years ago. Uh, and this is a book about the most successful and prolific art thief in the history of the world. Oh, this cool. guy stole... Two billion, billion with a B, dollars worth of art just to hang it in his room. In his room? Like like his like bedroom? Yes. I'm not joking. Like him and his girlfriend had this whole system. They didn't like break into museums. They did it all during the day when the museums were open and people were there. And he stole countless, countless paintings and sculptures and tapestries just to... Hang him up in his room. What so was could look the system? What was the system? I mean, he he just figured out a release. He would just literally walk up to stuff when no one was around and take it off the wall and put it in his pants and walk out. 
Wow. Is he wearing giant clown pants? <laughs> he did wear like a big coat and stuff, but and the whole the book is all about like how he did it, how he started, and then how he eventually obviously he gets caught. It is the most wild story. It is so good. The and the I will say the audiobook narrator is really, really good. And it's just like I, I got this book for a long drive that I had to do and it I could not stop listening to it. It was it might be one of my favorite nonfictions of the year. It's just such a wild story that is told really, really well. And this guy, you're just like, he's so bold and does it for such a weird reason. Like he would just like wake up every day and look at all the oil paintings. His bedside table was like littered with priceless ivory carvings, like next to his like glasses and water cup. Like it is just, so, it's just so wild. It's so nuts. It's so good. Uh, so that is The Art Thief uh, by Michael Finkel, read by Eduardo Bellarini. And mine is Chlorine by Jade Song. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Morgan wrote in to say, hello, wonderful host. My name is Morgan and I've been listening for a while. I really enjoy your show. It has really helped me get back into reading. I just finished episode 305 and wanted to let you and other listeners know about the Pocketbook app. I don't know if it is on the Apple store. I only know about Android, but it's an app that can track your reading of any downloaded book, including fan fiction. I almost exclusively use it for downloading fan fiction, to be honest. I find it's very easy to use and navigate. It has a dark theme for folks who would rather read white on black my favorite part is the page turn animation but i believe you can turn it off if that's your style anyway that's all for now hope you have a wonderful day i almost forgot to tell you my wheelhouse which is fantasy fiction adventure cozy romance queer is a big plus dragons of course and found family of course i had to put this in here because you and i always test out things that are for iphones we neither of us have Mm -hmm. androids so i wanted to put this on here for all the android folks out there maybe uh i don't know i don't have anyone that's like i don't have access to an android me neither, but this sounds very cool for people. Yeah, let us know if you use this. Mallory, I have an important question for you. Do you read black on white or white on black? On my Libby, I read uh, white on black. On your phone? Yeah. You read white on black. Yeah, me too. I like that. I like a dark mode. Any app that I use has got to go into dark mode. I don't yeah. want any more light beaming <laughs> into my eyes than, than is needed. Yeah, same. Anytime I can switch it around, I switch it around for sure. Betsy wrote in, could also be Betsy, we're not sure. Uh, Dear Mallory and Bria, I just had to comment on your book bean review. Personally, I give it a 27 out of five stars. (laughs) I love mine. Just to remind people, the book bean is this thing that you set a book on to read. Yes, a bean-shaped pillow. That's right. Okay. I have two in my bedroom and one in my living room. I have given them to five children and two in-laws and one son. Gave it to his girlfriend for a birthday. Yes, you can use them in bed. I put one under my head and one on my stomach, and they provide the perfect amount of firmness for both locations to make reading in bed perfect. I also use them for side reading. Again, under my head and my book. I'm trying to imagine it. Oh, okay, like under my head, under my book. Okay, reading on the couch is so nice because I don't have to hold the device or book if it's a hardback. See you at the library. Yep, I work there. That is amazing. It. Wow, this is, uh, you should be sponsored by Book Bean. <laughs> this is, you're spending I mean, a lot of money on those beans. <laughs> so many. I know, you've sold probably sold hundreds of beans at this point. Yeah, it's very true. I still use mine. I love mine all the time. This this question or this feedback just reminds me of that time when we found out that you and I read different when we're on our side, that you read oh, parallel yeah. and I read perpendicular and it like broke the podcast. I, just, I still can't believe that you read perpendicular. That is 
<laughs> that is some bizarre behavior to me. I just can't even like I just don't even know my think my brain works like that. My brain would be like, what is I wouldn't be able to comprehend it. See, I feel the same way about the reading parallel. It just seems really funny to me. But that's the way your eyes are going. I know, I know. It makes it, I understand your way makes much more logical sense, but it's just a funny weird thing, but that's what it reminds me of. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll try to use my book bean for my weird parallel re- or per- perpendicular reading. Yeah. And then Aaron wrote in Aaron sent us a huge email with a massive list of paranormal romance recommendations after oh. we did our gargoyle erotica read. But Aaron also sent in her wheelhouse, which is magic systems based in facts or science, interesting or plucky side characters, romance, specifically, especially monster romance and enemies to lovers tropes, which is why Aaron was able to give us so many amazing recommendations. Uh, witchy vibes, fairies, gods and goddesses getting up to mischief, expandable universes like standalone books, but all set in the same shared universe, capable characters, specifically female characters that take charge and get shit done themselves and historical fiction. Can't wait to listen to 300 more episodes with you both. Aaron, thank you for all the spicy monster wrecks. And this is an awesome wheelhouse. Uh, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month. You can sign up for our newsletter, link in the show notes. And then a quick bookmark on the maximum fun side of things. If you are listening to this podcast on the Stitcher app, we want to tell you the Stitcher app is shutting down on August 29th. Bye to Stitcher. Oh, End of an era. Bye. End of an era for Stitcher. So after August 29th, you will no longer be able to listen to Reading Glasses or any podcast on that app. But you can keep listening to this show, all your favorite Maximum Fun shows on many other platforms. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Pocket Cast. We are on Overcast. We are on Spotify. You can also listen to us on the website, MaximumFun.org. But there's many apps you can check out. Just go to the Reading Glasses page on Maximum Fun if you want to get it straight from, how does it go? Straight from the, the horse's mouth. From, there you go. From the, Straight from the <laughs> podcast horse mouth on Maximum <laughs> Fun. But uh, yeah, lots of other apps to choose from. Please look on Stitcher if you're like, wow, I haven't listened to podcasts in a while. This is the first one. Well, you got time to switch over. Find a new app that you'll like. Thank you so much for listening. And goodbye, Stitcher. We hardly knew thee. But before we talk about getting more from your audiobooks, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is brought to you in part this week by Tora Books and their new book, Thorn Hedge. Y'all, Mallory was just talking about this book. I think she's reading this book right now, but it is by one of our favorite authors, T. Kingfisher. It's a great stuff, does frightening fantasy and horror with heart. And T. Kingfisher is back with another fairy tale inspired fantasy called Thorn Hedge. It's on sale from Tora Books this August. Actually, it's out right now. You can get it right now. It tells the story of a kind-hearted, toad-shaped heroine, a gentle knight, and a mission gone completely sideways. To me, this sounds like like a person on a journey, a thing on a journey, uh, a toad-shaped heroine on a journey. How about that? Which we know the glassers love. So order Thorn Hedge by T. Kingfisher now. I'm Emily Heller. And I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And we're the hosts of Baby Geniuses. We've been doing our podcast for over 10 years. When we started, it was about trying to learn something new every episode. Now it's about us trying to actively get stupider. And it's working. (laughs) Hang out with us and you'll hear us chat about... Gardening. Horses. Various problems with our butts. And all the weird stuff that makes us horny. That's so weird, all that stuff. (laughs) Baby Geniuses, a show for adult idiots every other week on maximum fun 
Baby geniuses, we know everything. Baby geniuses, tell us something we don't know. This week, we're talking about getting more from your audiobook reading. How do you focus better on an audiobook? How can you tell which format you should read a book in if you have that ability? We have got you covered for both hardcore audio lovers and the audiobook curious. And today's episode was inspired by Galen, who wrote in to say, I am emailing about a reader problem I've been having the last couple of months. I've started listening to audiobooks for the first time on Libby recently. I have less free time to read now, so I'm trying to listen to audiobooks while I work and do chores or errands since I can't read physically during those activities. My problem is two-pronged. One, I definitely find myself spacing out occasionally while listening, and I'll end up missing important things. And the only way I found to avoid this is by putting everything else down and just focusing on listening to the audiobook. This kind of defeats the purpose of why I started listening to audiobooks, but basically audio skimming them seems not very effective to me and a little disrespectful to the author. And two, I found that I'm getting through more books, audio and physical, but I've also found that I've been reading more books I typically skip over just because I could listen to them while doing other things. None of these books are bad in the way that I want to put them down and stop reading, and some of them are fine. I track my reading, and a lot of the extra books I've been able to listen to, I usually rate between 3 and 3.75, but none of them have any of my big dog houses. The only commonality in my review is that for a lot of them, I wrote that they are not engaging. I can't tell if this is because I listen to these books as audiobooks while multitasking or if it's actually mm. the book itself i've yeah. even felt tempted to get the physical copy of some of these books just to tell this feels like a silly problem to have but i would really love your insight am i listening to audiobooks wrong should i just stick <laughs> to physical reading don't galen we have a two prong you have a two prong problem we have a two prong solution for you this is not a silly problem Mm-mm. let's dive into problem number one what to do when you space out and miss something in an audiobook bria what do you do when this happens Okay, I just want to say, Galen, this is not unique to you. We are all spacing out during everything we're listening to. That is like, I, I, it, unless you are sitting there just listening. But um, I do the same. I'm often using audiobooks for when I'm driving, when I'm cleaning the house. It's multitasking, you know, like I'm doing other things. Sometimes when I'm on like a long walk with my audiobook, which is technically still walking, multitasking because I am walking, but like I, I can pay more attention to it during that those moments. But otherwise, this is, I definitely am multitasking. Um, I will sometimes go back if I like, I'm like, what is happening? Like I will rewind um, or even stop and go look at the Wikipedia if it's like a really long book. And I'm like, who the fuck is this character again? (laughs) Um, But I have also found um, that other books uh, just lend themselves better to this kind of spacing out. I said a couple shows ago, Stephen King his books are generally very long and there's a lot of yep. description. So like I will be like, oh, I'm I I kind of spaced out for a second, but I still know what's going on. Um, uh, but mostly, yeah, I mean, feel free to rewind, feel free to look something up on Wikipedia. But the big thing is is don't judge yourself because we're all spacing out. If you are cleaning something, if you are getting distracted by something, if you're getting ready and you're like, oh no, I smudged my eyeliner and now you didn't pay attention to that part of the audiobook. We're all doing that same thing. This is just kind of one of the uh, audiobook pitfalls for a lot. If you are a multitasking audiobook listener, I think. Are you are you spacing out, Mallory? Yeah, absolutely. Everybody is. And I want to say, I think this also happens sometimes when you are reading print books as well. You're not sure. picking up every single little detail. You're just not noticing as much, mm-hmm. I think. Interesting, interesting, um, yeah. 
So when I, this happens to me all the time and I try to set myself up for audiobook success by, I have organized a system where I have two types of audiobooks out on Libby at all times. One, I usually have a nonfiction book that I don't mind missing a bit of here and there. And that is for when I am cleaning around the house, I am doing chores, I might be like, oh, I'm scrubbing out the toilet and I flush the toilet for a second and then I missed 30 mm-hmm. seconds of whatever was going on and I don't, and it's, it's fine. But I will save my more compelling audiobooks that I don't want to miss things in like novels, memoirs, and that's when I use them for long drives, for going on walks, whatever it is. You know, and I will say author, it is not disrespectful to authors if you feel like you skipped a part. Do not worry. We, it happens to absolutely everybody. But that is my system. I just make sure I try to save the ones that I'm like, all right, I really don't want to miss stuff for when I can focus on the audiobook more. Yeah. The other thing I would say, and this is what someone told me because uh, with, with the Sarah J. Moss books, is that she reads the first few chapters, like physically reads them, and then goes and listens to them on audiobook while she's doing other stuff. Um, because she says that she has trouble like remembering character names at first. And I think if you want to, if you're reading something that's very complicated, that could be a, a method as well. You're that's like, a, that's a hot tip, I beca- think. Yeah, it's a pretty good tip because she was like, you know, I I was like, it's hard to remember all these character names and the locations and everything that's going on. And she was like, yeah, I read the first few chapters and then I move over to audiobook after that. So that helps you to not to establish like the style of the prose, the characters, like the um the locations and stuff. So that might be another tip of something that you could do that will make you feel like you're spacing out a little bit less. Yeah, I mean, and you could even do it all with audiobook if you needed to. Like, first half hour, you, like, go on a walk or, like, sit and eat a meal. And, like, so you're Mm -hmm. really focused Mm -hmm. for the first half hour and you get the characters, like, you understand who everyone is and then you can go do stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is a, that's a hot tip, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a good tip. So, Bria, what about the second problem? Is finding yourself listening to audiobooks that are just three-star books? Three-star books, the... The ultimate problem of the book reader world is (laughs) listening to books that are just three stars. Um, I get it. I'm going to say something maybe controversial. I do get more out of reading books physically. I'm going to enjoy the book more if I'm reading it physically. Not 100% of the time, but I would say like 90% of the time. I'm always going to enjoy a book that I've read physically more than one that I've listened to. I think it's different brain synapses. Um, I'm paying attention a lot more. I'm a visual learner as well. Like that's something that I just know about myself that like if something is written down, I'm way more likely to pay attention to it, which is why I have a very, very complicated system of writing shit down all of the time. Um, It just translates better for my brain. Um, My brain wants to read the flowery words instead of hearing them. Uh, Like if I am listening to flowery words, sometimes I'm like, what is happening again? Like I like my, I like, it doesn't sink in as much for me. But if I really liked an audiobook, it better it's probably really good. Like I uh, it's probably just like a very entertaining book and really well written. And I will say, Mallory, I'm gonna side with you on this. This year, i some of my favorite books have been nonfiction audiobooks. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because that medium of memoir or nonfiction does really lend itself to audiobook in the same way that like I've kind of trained myself to listen to nonfiction podcasts. I think maybe the first problem. And the second problem are feeding into each other, okay? I agree. If you can't pay attention to the book, you're not probably enjoying it as much. So I think that this is part of the problem. You agree? Oh, I totally agree. Okay, what do you think? Well, first off, I want to say I'm kind of the opposite of you. There's certain books that I think I enjoy much more on audio. Interesting. 
Yeah. Like there, I was, I was realizing this with the new Samantha Irby and I was like, this is, this is good, but I'm not finding it like as funny. And then I got the audiobook and I was like, oh, having her read it, like she's just mm. fucking hilarious. Mm -hmm. And like, there's certain things that, I mean, not just with, with authors who are reading their own work, but there's definitely certain books that I like more on audio. I, I believe it. Cause, cause you get to listen to them and hear, I, I understand that for sure. It's just harder for me for some reason. I want, I mean, that's the thing is everybody's brain works differently. And I think that Galen and other audiobook people just need to, you need to find ways that work with your own brain. And so I do think some readers are more likely to find audiobooks not engaging, mostly because again, when you're, when I'm reading a print book or an ebook, I can't do anything else. Mm -hmm. But when not with, a, with an audiobook, it can be really easy to, you know, you're going to fold some laundry, you're going to eat a snack, you're going to pet your cat. So I think it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, like it seems like I it seems like Galen is, you know, the books that Galen's really excited about, she's prioritizing and getting them in print, which seems ah, like yeah. that is the the format that she has a better and easier time with. And the audiobooks that she's choosing are the second or third tier books that she doesn't care about as much. So I I think Galen should try picking a few books that are like squarely in her wheelhouse. They're like very hot, like big buzzy reads that she's really pumped about and get those on audio instead mm -hmm. of being like, oh, well, I bought all the or pre-ordered all the books I'm really excited about this year. And then, oh, I'm scrolling through Libby and I'm looking for ones that are available. And like this one looks kind of interesting. You know what I mean? And then, you know, use my two-tiered system. And it's like, pick a book that you really like and you're really pumped about and then save them for a long drive or a long walk or whatever it is. And then you can really focus on them. And I think that that those two things might help her find audiobooks more compelling. I like that. I think that's good. I think also trying to find, maybe trying some other sort kinds of audiobooks that, that she's interested in, like a memoir, like something, like other, maybe it, like maybe fiction audiobooks are not for you. You know, maybe that is, that is something that just doesn't work as well. Um, so I think switching it up might be helpful. So what do we think? Any other advice for getting more from our audiobook reading? I always say skip if you don't find the narrator compelling. It is so unfortunate because it is not the author's fault, but a bad narrator can really screw up a book. Um, yep. Also, I find if a, I just like, if a book is super complicated and not that long, so I have to learn everything really fast, that is hard for me. So like for me, going with memoirs, going with books that have like just a couple of main characters. It's interesting because like I listened to, one I really distinctly remember listening to was Malibu Rising, which actually had quite a few characters, but it was written in such a way that it was able to introduce them really well. But since then I have tried to listen to other ones that have a lot of characters and I'm like, I can't. Like, I don't know who this person is. And like that, my brain just like can't handle it. So know what you, what you have the capacity for. And it's okay. Like you don't have to be able to remember every single character and all the complicated back and forths with everybody. And you know what's funny? I think I tried your hot tip recently without even realizing it. I just listened to a really long 14-hour audiobook that is like a supernatural medieval horror book. And the first part of it, I listened to on the first like three hours, I listened to on a drive. And then mm. when I, I was listening to it at home, you know, there's a lot of, it's a lot of complicated characters, a lot of comp, like a lot of French names that are like bounced directly off of my brain but because I had spent so much like spent time mm. listening to them at first uh when I was like you know 
wandering around the house, eating cereal, whatever the fuck. I was able to easily, more easily follow what was going on because I knew everybody pretty well by then. Yeah, you started speaking French and you were like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no speaking French. I I, prom- I told my publisher after I did the Girly Drinks audiobook that I will never write about the French again. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right, because you had to pronounce so many French words. Because I'm from New England and New England <laughs> accents plus French words oh, yeah. is not a good mix. I hear it. I hear you. Also, I want to say, we've talked about it before on the show, but I do highly recommend cranking up that listening speed. Because at least for me, sometimes when I used to space out to audiobooks is that it was just going too slow. Yeah. Because at like the normal speed, and I will tell you as someone who has narrated two audiobooks, they tell you to go real fucking slow. Mm. Like so slow that it feels almost unnatural, especially for me because you and I talk at the speed of light, but you have to be like, once upon a time. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, I've never, I didn't, I just thought that. I guess I didn't know that. I just was like, well, I listen to things fast, but maybe it's that they they talk slowly. <laughs> they they have you talk more slowly. So there's sometimes, and it depends on the author. Like um, Samantha Irby's a great example. Uh, the book that I loved last year, Did You Hear Mammy Died? Both of them, I listened to them on normal speed because it sounded like the way that they talked. Sure. But a lot of other books, like the um, the book I'm listening, I didn't listen to for this episode, The Art Thief, I have it like 1.25, just to speed it up a little bit enough to bring it up to the speed that my brain takes in print books. Mm, so yeah. I would try to figure out how to match your print reading or ebook reading speed to your audiobook speed because your brain is more like, oh, this is a this is a book. This is what's ha- this is what's being fed into my brain right now. And it makes me pay closer attention because if it goes too slow, then I my attention starts starts to wander. But if it's mm-hmm. going fast and like feeding into my brain like a ticker tape, just hap- it, I, I absorb it so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would highly recommend giving it a try. And I'd be very interested. There's a lot of people who listen to the show that can only read audiobooks. And if you have any other hot tips on how to make them easier or more compelling to listen to, because like we're, what we're really saying is, Caitlin, you're not, you're not unusual. This is not a weird problem. You're not being silly. But there's a lot of ways to make audiobooks. And there's some people who listen to audiobooks exclusively and they can read print books and, and ebooks. Um, so you just have to figure out what works for your brain, you know, mm-hmm. and there's a way to only listen to audiobooks and read them and enjoy them just as much as, as print. Like you just have to work with your own lovely little self and figure mm-hmm. out what works for you. So I would love to hear from, from uh, listeners who only do audiobooks about their hottest, hot, hot, hot fajita style. It's audiobook sizzling, tips. coming out. It's got bell peppers. It's got onions. The whole restaurant's looking at you. They're like, wow. <laughs> look at that. Look at that book tip go. Uh, so you, don't touch the plate because it's too hot. It's too uh, hot. Send your thoughts to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Before we talk about selling weeded library books, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is brought to you in part by Pear Eyewear. Finding glasses that match your unique style is easy with affordable base frames, sunglasses, and hundreds of magnetic tops that elevate and polish your look. I'm going to tell you a little bit about pair eyewear. It's totally adorable. So, 
basically you get these base frames, right? They are cute, they fit your face, but on top of that, you get these magnetic frames that sit on top of it and they go right on top and you can get any kind you want. Let's say you're like, oh, I want to wear a red top today. I have my red frames I can wear with it. You're like, oh, I'm feeling kind of goth today. These black frames will go great with my goth corset. Mallory got some to match her favorite hockey team. Parent eyewear is the only eyewear you'll ever need. Their budget-friendly base frames start at just $60. That includes the prescription. I don't know if you can find ones cheaper than that. And there are hundreds of top frames starting at $25, so you can build a collection of styles. You can turn your eyeglasses into sunglasses with a sun top. That's so cute. And they're introducing five new wide and extra wide styles that make finding a frame that fits easy, especially for guys. So elevate your summer looks and get 15% off your first pair when you go to pairiwear.com slash glasses. That's pair, P-A-I-R, iwear.com slash glasses. Glasses. The following pro wrestling contest is scheduled for one fall. Making their way to the ring from the Tights and Fights podcast are the baddest trio of audio, the hair-to-beware Danielle Radford. It really is great hair. The Brit with a permit to hit, Lindsay Kell. The queen is dead. Long live the queen. And the fast-talking, fist-clocking Hal Uplin. See, I can wrestle and be an announcer. Get ready for Tights and Fights. Listen every Saturday or face the pain. Find us on Maximum Fun. No ring the bell. Now let's solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Lauren writes in, I weed my personal book collection every month or so. Most of my books get donated, but I do try to sell nicer editions to half price books first before taking them to Goodwill. Here's my problem. I buy a lot of my books from the local library sale because they tend to be in nicer condition, but by the time I decide I no longer want them, I can't remember where I bought them from. The last time I sold books at HPB, a bunch of them got flagged for suspicious ISBNs. (laughs) I'm pretty sure they could tell that they used to belong to a library, and I really don't want anyone to think I robbed a library or I'm somehow taking advantage of the system just to make a few bucks. Does selling weeded slash retired library books make me a bad person? Is it better to always donate just in case. Bria, what do you think? I have so much to say here. This is going to take a minute for me to get through because first of all, you weed your book collection every month. What? I mean, Mallory, I, how are you I, flagging this? This is amazing. I'm it very is amazing, impressed. But I kind of get it, especially as two people who get a lot of books all the time. I'm like, I could stand to do this. Come to my house high and influx. weed my book collection for me. I know. I'm <laughs> every into this. month. I don't do anything every month. <laughs> Except for change your refrigerator. That what I do. I do change that filter. That filter is going in, going out every month. And also, I clean the coffee maker. I actually Googled suspicious ISBNs because I was like, I have to. Sad. Suspicious IBNs. I kept thinking, we can go on together with suspicious ISBNs. <laughs> oh my god, we have to do a Suspicious Minds cover of Suspicious Ideas. <laughs> I I was like, what does this mean? 
in the context of spelling books, and by the way, if you Google suspicious ISBNs, it's one of those few times when you Google something on the internet and it's like, there's nothing. Like, they're like, you must have typed that in wrong. And I'm like, I didn't. And it's like, well, there is nothing. You literally have nothing I'm, to I'm look. looking this up Try right it. now. Try it. There's nothing. Oh, my God. It says, looks like there aren't many great matches. I told you there's nothing for a suspicious ISBN. So whoever writes that song, you will have at least one Google that will go straight to you if you write the suspicious ISBN song. So I didn't know what this meant in the context of selling books. But here's my answer. Uh, You're fine. You got these books for cheap or for free. And even if you were like, my business is I go buy cheap books and then I resell them for more money, I'd be like, all right, that's a good job. Like, you're getting these books into the hands of somebody else. Like, these books are getting read. That's okay. I know you are not doing that, so that's fine. If it was me, I definitely would go to the bookstore, try to sell them. They'd say, these look suspicious. And then I'd overshare with what I, where I got them from because I like <laughs> to overshare with strangers with things they don't care about. But honestly, this happens to them all the time. These books should go to new homes. Homes sell the fucking books. You're fine. You're totally yes. fine. Uh, you don't need to explain to them, but I think you're welcome to to say, "Oh, these were I bought these at the library, and I just I clean my shelves every month." You're welcome to say that, but honestly, like we, I am saying, you are absolved of this. This is not a, a book crime. This is not a means, book crime. Means no, you're just trying to get rid of these books off of your shelves, which is what you should be doing. Get rid of them, and if they'll buy them, that's great. I need to know if they bought the suspicious ice ice beans. So. I'm the what I'm thinking happened here is this has happened to me a couple of times and you know yeah. what it might have happened in a half price books mm. but I tried to sell uh some old books of mine and some of the books of the month that I had got oh. suspe- got flagged I don't know if they got flagged as suspicious ISBNs but they definitely got flagged and I think maybe it's just because any book that is a different edition of a book either a book of the month version or a library version of the of, of a book just isn't in the normal system you know, because they're not meant to be sold. Uh, Library editions of books and uh, uh, book of the month versions of books are not to be meant to be sold to retail. They're never on the shelves anywhere. So the ISBN is different from the normal I one for that see. book. So I think I that's see. what's happening. Suspicious. And I know they're sellable because there are several bookstores in Los Angeles that are used bookstores. And I've seen those. I've seen book of the month books on those shelves. So I know they're sellable. I just think that they ISBN is a little bit like different. They're books. They should be able to go into the bookstores. Yeah. I get why it, they may be labeled differently, but like, yeah, like if people, if they're not going to be in the libraries, put them in bookstores. That doesn't. Yeah. But they're not, I, I think suspicious is a really weird word. It really is very, very funny. It's not like, I mean, I, I guess the concern is that it ends up being one of those fucking, you know, about these AI books that, People are like making fake AI books that, and they're putting them and like on Amazon and stuff. And they're like, Ooh. "Oh, this is a uh, you know, Gone with the Wind," or I, I don't know. Like, this is a uh, this is you know, insert classic book here. And then people get it, and it's some weird AI version of the book that's been self printed. So oh, that is a concern. But you're getting like regular library books and selling them. Yeah, that's I I I do want to agree. People at Half Price Books are not going to be like pressing a button under the counter and then the fucking book police show up and haul you off for creating some sort of criminal book selling crime ring. That's not happening here. And again, it's not like you're selling, you're buying books from a library and selling them at a huge markup and like making bank, you know, I, I, that's not, even if you were, it's fine. You know, we're talking about, the thing about books is you're talking about dollars and cents, Mm -hmm. you know, you are not. I mean, if unless you're like buying a book and it's actually a rare book, but even then, like you're fine. You're not a bad person. If you want 
take all those books that the bookstore flags as suspicious and donate those and, and sell the rest. Keep on weeding every month. We think that is great. Otherwise, you're fine. You are not a bad person. There's yeah. no one who's like, you know, going to call it like there, there's a, like a special little phone in a glass case and they take it off and they call the library and they're like, it goes directly from we bookstores got to libraries. <laughs> she's here <laughs> she's here selling these library books you're fine and you're doing great wow tell us more about this weeding every month i love it please send us a follow-up because i'm very interested in how this process goes and how she must be like us like getting a ton of books all the time it seems like it well going to the library book sale and stuff you can get a lot yeah. of books there let us know and folks you are absolved of your guilt of selling weeded library books librarians do not care again i think most of the answers for library problems on this show are librarians are busy and stressed out and they do not give a fuck as long as you're treating the books fine like especially with a library sale like the librarians are happy they don't care what you do with the books afterwards they need that money to keep the library going Mm -hmm. (laughs) they don't care what happens Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you're fine uh, if you want us to solve your reader problem, uh, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Time to answer a recommendation request. Hannah writes in, I have a reader problem that I'm hoping you might be able to help me solve. I love to read before bed, but I can't read anything too exciting or compelling or I can't put it down and I end up reading until the early hours and losing out on sleep. So I tend to keep a stack of books for different purposes and if I am reading an exciting book, I'll put it down early in the evening and pick up my bedtime book to start my sleep routine. The right (laughs) book will send me off to sleep happy and stop my anxious grad school brain from worrying about my thesis because I'm thinking about the story. A while ago, I discovered that the Terry Pratchett Discworld novels were perfect for pre-bedtime reading. They're funny and well-written, but because the plots are quite tropey in a good way, I don't feel the need to chase after the story and can easily put them down when I get tired. And there are tons of them, so up until now, I've always had a new one to start as soon as I finish the old one. Unfortunately, I have now read them all and am stuck as for what to do. I have tried gentle stories such as T.J. Clune's Under the Whispering Door, which was great, but I was still too hooked. I generally don't like to reread because there are so many great stories out there in the world but i am being forced to go back to the pratchett's because i just can't sleep please help me can you recommend any similar long series that might fit the bill i'd be especially interested in stories that are a bit more inclusive than the Discworld novels or by more diverse authors because while i love them some of the books definitely have some problematic tropes and stereotypes that i find myself having to ignore to enjoy the stories here's my wheelhouse bria you want to read her wheelhouse yes uh books about books Parallel universe slash protagonists from our world wandering into different ones. Queer characters slash romance like academia. Satirical humor. Magic with clear rules and magical schools and universities. Magic realism. Cozy immersive settings. Mystery plots. Feminist dystopia novels. Books where decipherment and or learning a language is part of the plot. Romanticized friendships. Love that. All right. Bria. What are some sleepy time books? Did we did we not have someone else read? also write in and say that they had fell asleep people. to the Discworld books? Yeah. That I, specific thing? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a thing that's very weird and niche, but part of me wants to do an episode about these books, but it feels weird to be like, here's a list of boring novels that will make yeah. you go to sleep. Like But it's definitely I like a thing. It. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm gonna. Everyone, I feel like everyone who must might be screaming into their podcatchers right now, which is a book that obviously I've recommended before, but A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Moss. I'm not a big series reader, but I've read this one, and there are like 15, and there's also Crescent City. I don't know. I think I can't, I don't know if they're all part of the same one, but there are so many that I can't keep up. 
and it has magic with clear rules and has some romance for you. And there are these people who put it together in what order to read them, like splitting the books up sometimes as you read them, like reading a couple chapters here from this one and for other ones. So if you really want to get into the like uh, series of it all, like someone has done that for you and we'll link to one of these people who've been like, okay, you should read these three chapters and these three chapters, which may be too much before bedtime. You can also just read them in the order they were released. But I think these will work because it has like some romance. It has a lot of magic. It has a lot of like fantasy kind of stuff. Um, and I think it also is tropey enough to where it's like, okay, woman has to go live with this fairy and then there's like romance happening. So I think it will, it will like scratch this itch of like, kind of tropey, but in a good way, like easy to dive in and out of kind of thing. What do you have for Hannah? Uh, I talked about these books before on the show. I think the last I'm. it feels like I talked about them recently, but I think it's because we I recommended them a bunch during the fun drive. This is like one of those weird series that I am just a cheerleader for. It's the Zimonia series by Walter Moore. I just love these books so much they are fantasy books with a very gentle very silly sort of terry pratchett energy about creatures going on adventures in the wacky fantasy world of zamonia and they're illustrated by the author too which i really really love the first one is called the 13 and a half lives of captain blue bear and it's about a little blue bear and he goes on an adventure we always are trying to find a word like because there has to be a particular term for what we kind of call alice in wonderland books where like a character goes in this fantasy world and like each chapter is like a little episode of them meeting a new person mm. and going on like a new special little adventure. Drew McGarry's The Hike is the same way. There oh, has sure. to be like a word for the for these books. We just call them Alice in Wonderland books. But that's how these are. You know, they're very episodic and that's mm. something that I think would be good for Hannah because like, all right, you just read like, all right, the Captain Blue Bear uh, goes into a cave and meets a little crazy cave creature for five pages and then he goes on to a different location and like so i think that that episodicness will help uh because it's very easy to put them down because of that i mean they're mm. that sounds like a weird insulting thing is to say about a book they're really really good books but because they're so episodic it, it it's a very clear delineation of a good spot to put it down and go to bed and they're very mm. silly um and they're pretty thick and there's five of them so they should last hannah for a while i just really love these they're just like very again they're very gentle they're very silly I always say it's like Terry Pratchett mixed with like Douglas Adams, that kind of tone mm. of like kind of um, kind of just kind of fun and um, very leaning into like tro fantasy tropes. And I, I I just think they're really what what Hannah's looking for. There's no romance, um, but, you know, it's definitely different worlds, uh, satirical humor, clear magic, clear rules, a little bit cozy. Uh, so I think it'll it'll hit some things in her wheelhouse. And I think they'll be good sleeping books they're good waking books as well i did never have never read them like right before i go to bed i just read them during the daytime but uh i think they would work uh so i'm recommending the 13 and a half lives of captain blue bear by walter moore and i'm saying go court of throne of roses by sarah j moss so if you want us to answer your recommendation request, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group. And remember, you can buy reading glasses, tote bags, and shirts and stickers over at our Void March store. There's a link in the show notes to that. You can go on our Instagram and see pictures of us wearing them. Uh, they're great. They're sexy. 
Mm-hmm. They're a great value and they help us feed our cats. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on the podcast listening app of your choice. It is really great for us and helps us reach more listeners. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Reading G Podcast. Although, who knows for how long? I refuse to call it X. It is Twitter, I, but I have no idea how long it's going to be around. But uh, if you're still there, we're, we're over there. Uh, and on Instagram at Reading Glasses Podcast, thanks for listening and thanks for reading. Thanks for reading. Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network of artist-owned shows. Supported directly by you.